Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday, the 6th of November. I'm Mike Zimmerman, and on today's show, Liverpool leave it late to claw back a draw at Luton. Plus, Harry Kane's chase for history. I think the conversation now is about, will he match and exceed Robert Lewandowski's record? Maurizio Pochettino makes his return to Tottenham. He's played down the possibility of a rough reception. And... Emma Hayes is set to leave Chelsea. The anticipation is she is going to succeed Vlatko Andonovsky as the US women's national team coach. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Mike Zimmerman. Well, let's start by catching you up on all the action from the weekend. Elliot. And Diaz in there! Liverpool accepts their lifeline and in the most difficult of personal circumstances it's the stoic figure of Luis Diaz who has rescued them. It took a 95th minute equaliser from substitute Luis Diaz to prevent the biggest shock in the Premier League this season, with Liverpool coming back to draw 1-1 away at Luton. The Hatters, who haven't kept a clean sheet and are yet to win at home all season, led the Reds going into stoppage time thanks to Tahith Chong's 80th minute breakaway goal. But Liverpool came away with a point thanks to Diaz's late, late header. It was the Colombian's first appearance since his father was kidnapped in his homeland a week ago. Elsewhere in the Premier League, a Jeremy Doku-inspired Manchester City put six goals past Bournemouth to take them to the top of the table. Spurs get the chance to leapfrog City when they host Chelsea and former manager Maurizio Pochettino tonight. More on that later. Manchester United had to wait 90 minutes to get their winner against Fulham. Bruno Fernandes, beautifully done. Bruno Fernandes on his 200th appearance for Manchester United. It wasn't pretty, but it does just relieve a tiny bit of pressure from Eric Ten Hag, at least until Wednesday when the Red Devils face Copenhagen in the Champions League. And it wouldn't be a weekend in the Premier League without a VAR controversy. Newcastle beat Arsenal 1-0 with Anthony Gordon scoring the winner in the 64th minute. There was no flag and it's kept alive by Willock. It's Willock's cross! It's in from Gordon right on the line! And the Gallagher roars! But it was the lead-up to the goal that has made headlines. Yeah, we have to talk about the result because you have to talk about how the hell this goal um, stand up and it's incredible. I feel embarrassed. But I have to be the one now coming here to try to defend the club and please ask for help because it's an absolute disgrace that this goal is allowed. It's an absolute disgrace because it's not a goal. For many reasons, it's not a goal. For more than one reason at least, it's not a goal. And it's too much at stake here. We put so much effort. It's so difficult to compete at this level. And it's an absolute disgrace. Again, I feel embarrassed. I've been more than 20 years in this country and this is nowhere near the level to describe this as the best league in the world. I am sorry. Arsenal have since issued a statement backing their manager, so expect more on this in the coming days. 
Over to Germany, where Bayern Munich put their midweek League Cup humiliation behind them as they headed to Dortmund in Der Klassiker. And Harry Kane bagged himself another hat-trick. Wieder über Harry Kane. Der läuft jetzt wieder alleine aufs Tor zu. Kane, Tor! Das 4-0. Jetzt wird's eine Demütigung. Drittes Tor von Harry Kane. Seb Stafford Bloor was in Westfalen Stadium for the Athletic. Seb, what has been the reaction in Germany? wasn't really the kind of result which reverberated around the Bundesliga. It didn't upset any narratives or change any any of the existing thinking. There might be a little bit of a re-evaluation about how dangerous and powerful Bayern Munich are. That was by far their best performance of the season. Conversely, I think it was quite worrying for Dortmund just because they were so poor and so clearly architects of their own downfall that it's going to change the record a little bit around Eden Terzic and talk about sort of uh, his tactical decisions, um, some of the decisions which went into the construction of his midfield on Saturday night. Not very, very impressive. So, yeah, um, more a kind of a continuation of existing themes, I think is uh, is the right way to put it. Now, you mentioned on Friday's show that Kane hasn't really put it all together. I'm guessing Saturday's performance is a sign that the final product is ever so close. I think clearly, yes, this was Harry Kane's best performance for Bayern. I think what's been interesting to watch is, I suppose, the Bundesliga and Germany's realization of just how good he is. Interesting enough, I, I spoke to Jamal Musiala after the game in the mix zone, and um, one of the questions he answered was, is Harry Kane actually better than you thought? And he was... He said yes, I'm paraphrasing, but he talked about how he never really appreciated the kind of the range of influence Kane had. I think in many ways, this was more of a Tottenham performance by Kane in the sense that he was in lots of different areas. He was acting as a playmaker rather than just a goal scorer, which when you consider he scored a, a hat-trick in this game, in this game in particular, um, clearly it really does describe the, the quality of his performance. Yeah, clearly everyone's very, very impressed. And I think the conversation now is about will he match and exceed Robert Lewandowski's record, which is an amazing thing to, amazing standard to be held against in your first season in a new league and in a new country. But then at the same time, that does also describe just how good he's been. And this was um, by far his best performance. And uh, I, I don't think any of the commentary has been anything other than just admiring and, and rightly so. Now, what does this result do to Thomas Tuchel's relationship with the fans and the media and even the players? Well, I suspect supporters would have taken quite a lot of encouragement from Saturday night because even though the Bayern have been unbeaten in the Bundesliga this season. There hasn't really been a performance of true authority within that sequence. Been a couple of thrashings, yes, but not a a real uh, show of power against uh, a direct rival, which this clearly was. And so whilst Tuchel isn't a particularly tangible personality, he's, he's obviously not Jurgen Klopp, he's a little bit more little harder to grasp I'd say this will be a kind of hey it might be like it used to be and you know the long sequence of title wins might be about to continue might also direct attention to what Bayern might be able to do in the Champions League very early days of course but it's possible with the media well that's more complicated because Tuchel has some very high profile critics Lothar Mateus probably chief amongst those listeners might have seen his interaction with Tuchel on television on Saturday night and um, I think it gives him a little bit of capital It's say look no I am doing things right you've had a lot to say particularly in the aftermath of that defeat to Saarbrücken but here's my answer here is a really comprehensive dismantling of what traditionally has been Bayern's biggest rival in the Bundesliga over the past decade and you can't really argue with that and also ultimately Tuchel has Harry Kane now playing extremely well and when you consider that Kane is obviously a record transfer for Bayern and was a very, very big deal. He's doing that is worth an awful lot and uh, definitely one in the eye for his critics. Elsewhere in Europe, Barcelona grab a win late at Real Sociedad. Ronald Arujo's header in the 92nd minute puts Barca third in La Liga, five points behind leader Girona. 
Real Madrid stay in second after a nil-nil draw against Rio Vallecano. And finally, in Brazil, Fluminense won their first ever Copa Libertadores, beating six-time champions Boca Juniors 2-1. The game went to extra time, both sides had a man sent off, and Fluminense's winner came in the 99th minute, courtesy of John Kennedy, and sounded something like this. Having been crowned the top team in South America, Fluminense will now play in the Club World Cup in December in Saudi Arabia alongside Premier League and European champions Manchester City. Tottenham hosts Chelsea tonight, and it's an opportunity for Spurs to return to the top of the Premier League table and also give a not-so-warm welcome to their former manager, Maurizio Pochettino, who is of course now in charge of the Blues. Spurs have been rejuvenated under Ange Postacoglu and are unbeaten this season, while Chelsea are still, to put it kindly, very much a work in progress, with only three wins all season and closer to the relegation zone than the top four. Liam Toomey is the Athletics' Chelsea correspondent. Liam, what has Pochettino said about facing his former club? In general, he said what you'd expect him to say. He's played down the possibility of a rough reception, which is probably likely given the club he has joined. I know a lot of Tottenham fans still are not ready to forgive Pochettino for for having the gall to join Chelsea, even though I think a fair few of them have probably been enjoying Chelsea's struggles so far this season. But Pochettino saying all the things you might expect, that the years they had together, nothing can change that. The journey they went on, it was an amazing shared experience, saying that he still has a great relationship with Daniel Levy. But in general, he's been very respectful. It's clear he doesn't want to burn bridges with Tottenham. He, he said, interestingly, that the club he was determined that he wouldn't manage would be Arsenal because Arsenal are Tottenham's bitterest enemies. It's an interesting dynamic which he'll get his first up-close experience of from the Chelsea side. Is the pressure mounting? It's a really weird one to answer because you look at the league table and everything suggests that you know Pochettino should be in Ten Hag territory, that this is veering towards disaster for Chelsea, a second consecutive season in mid-table mediocrity. But this is not like last season. A lot of the advanced metrics say that Chelsea are considerably better than they are. And I think there's there's still a belief in the club that Pochettino's doing a lot of the right things, the team are doing a lot of the right things, and it's just not quite coming together. But that doesn't change the fact that they are now 14 points behind Tottenham. They are now so far behind the top five, that Champions League qualification is already looking extremely unlikely. So this is a must win. Now we know the long list of Chelsea injuries, but are there any that we can expect to see come back tonight? Well, Pochettino said in his press conference that Armando Breuer will be back on the bench. Reese James, you know, started the last game. It always feels touch and go with him. You would think he has to at least be closer to being ready to start a game like this than he has been for a long time. And and if he is able to start, that would be a massive boost for Chelsea. They're a different team when he plays. As for probably the most significant absence for Chelsea's season, which is Christopher Nkunku, we're no nearer. You know, the initial time frame was December. It still looks like it will be near the end of 2023 before he plays his first Premier League minutes. And I think he's probably the player that Chelsea have missed most. Thanks, Liam. You can watch Spurs against Arsenal on Sky Sports in the UK and on Peacock in the US. And you can get reaction from both perspectives on our dedicated Spurs and Chelsea podcast, The View from the Lane and Straight Outta Cobham. You're listening to The Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic.
And finally, as the Chelsea men prepare for Spurs, the Chelsea women had an impressive 6-0 win over Aston Villa on Saturday. After five games, Chelsea sit at the top of the WSL table on 13 points. Also on Saturday, the Blues announced that their long-serving manager Emma Hayes will leave the club at the end of the season. Word is that she'll head to America and become the coach of the United States women's national team. The Athletics' David Ornstein is here to give us the details. Yeah, this is seismic news, Mike, not just for Chelsea, but the English game as a whole. And I say that purposefully, not only women's football, but I think the entire game, because she has been pioneering. She's by far and away the longest serving manager in women's football. She's changed the perception. So many things, not only on the field, but off of it too, in terms of sports science data, research into certain areas that really no one else was looking into or no one else was flying the flag for and um and fighting to bring about better conditions greater respect acknowledgement chelsea under emma hayes has stood out the world over and she now will if everything goes as expected take on one of the biggest if not the biggest jobs in in women's football certainly in world football and as far as we know Mike nothing has been signed yet but clearly if she is leaving to pursue a challenge outside of English football I think the direction of travel is is pretty evident and you would imagine that those conversations are, are quite advanced the anticipation is she is going to um, succeed Vlatko Andonovsky is the US women's national team coach there's uh, some pretty strong reports suggesting that they would like Emma Hayes's assistant, the New Jersey-born Denise Reddy, to come too. Now, if everything can be finalised, then I suspect there'll be a, a transition in the summer and then move over to the US job. With that, though, will come you know greater expectations because you know she's established herself very well here in England, but in in the states and and especially after such a disappointing World Cup performance, uh, you could say an historic low, she will be charged with putting that right. And the expectations on her shoulders, the pressure will be significant. Uh, but everything we've seen from her so far suggests that she's more than capable of rising to the challenge. Thanks, David. For more on this story, head over to The Athletic, as well as listen to Full Time Europe, our dedicated women's football podcast. A new episode will be out tomorrow. That's all for today. I was Mike Zimmerman, and your executive producer was Ben Green. Abby Patterson will be with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. The Athletic.